and welcome to the Gemcast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 13. Today, I'm joined by Elaine Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer, Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 13, which is a two-part episode, the Music Awards, the Holograms and the Misfits are totally focused on beating each other at the annual Music Awards. During all of this, three of the Starlight Girls run away because they feel neglected by Jerrica and the others. Meanwhile, Video introduces the band to Dance, a talented dancer who has a special request for them. And Eric hires a new secret weapon to make trouble for his rivals. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Episode 13, The Music Awards. Now, this is a two-part episode, and we open with Deirdre, uh, one of the Starlight Girls, rocking out with her guitar in her bedroom. The other girls mention it's time to watch Lindsay's show, and so they all head downstairs. On the TV, Lindsay announces the big annual Music Awards, and it looks like both Jem and the Holograms and the Misfits will be vying for Best Rock Band. Later on at Pizzazz's mansion, the Misfits and Eric Raymond are concerned for their future. With Jerrica Benton in control of Starlight Music, Eric is going to be out of a job. Oh, boo-hoo. Pizzazz does not see an issue here, as she has an excellent resource to tap into, her father. It's been a while since we've seen Mr. Gabor. It has. But I'd argue it still has. Yeah, because like, we barely do see him like with the back of his head. Also, and He's usually mumbling. Right, he's mumbling about something. And I just, I really want to know what happened in Pizzazz's childhood that makes him hate her so much. Like, he will literally, well, I mean, he doesn't hate her, but he will literally do or say anything to not spend time with her. Like, she's desperate for attention. She's like, and then I spread her wings and I began to fly away. And you see the depth of him, like, ignoring her completely. And I'm like, why? Does she look like his dead wife? Well, I mean, I think it might be one of those scenarios where something has happened to Pizzazz's mom, uh, you know, obviously died tragically. And he might just be one of those fathers that is still in denial about the death and is unable to move forward and and perhaps maybe the only way he can cope uh is to bury himself in work now unfortunately that i mean it's obviously rather selfish because he's he's ignoring the needs of his daughter who he really should be paying attention to especially considering uh how old she is pizzazz i th- is still pretty young i mean not as young as some of the other members of gem and the holograms but I think they're supposed to be either in their late teens or early twenties, right? So I, I, I guess we're supposed to just assume that that she's had a fairly neglectful life because they never really gave us an exact date when her mother died, right? Uh, some time has passed. That's all we know. Whether it's two, three years, five years, who knows? Yeah, that, that's that's my take. Is that he's just it's just his coping mechanism of just surrounding himself with work. He just that that's the only way he can handle it, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he's just a jerk. Or, or that. I mean, if that's just one interpretation, right? That's that's the the way I interpret it. But yeah, I suppose you could uh, you could in- interpret it different ways. And he's also like, as much as he's like buried his face in his report that he has to read, he can't take off five minutes from reading his report to talk to Pizzazz. He's still. I still question the fact that she's like, I need a record company. He's like, do whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. Like three months ago, she's like. I want a movie studio and you said whatever. And then it turned out badly. Maybe you ought to like not just let her buy major entertainment companies on a whim. Maybe because it was a financial disaster for you, sir. You even said so. I was just going to say he seems extremely money oriented, you know, like that's what he's doing, right? He's making money and that's it. And speaking of buying record companies, Pizzazz marches uh, straight into Harvey Gabor's office and asks him, to buy a music company. Being the usual neglectful father we've known him to be, he is far too preoccupied with completing a report than listening to his daughter's request. After disrupting his work, he cedes to Bazaz's demands and tells her to buy whatever she needs and just let the bank handle it. Yeah, this, 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 is, not, this is not a good show. But I also have to say, like, all the business decisions happening here are really terrible. Because for one thing... Like, they hear about these music awards, right? And Eric's like, well, now that I've lost control of Starlight Music, 
we have no way to promote you. You lost control of Starlight Music months ago. And you're just now being like, oh, that's a problem for this band that I allegedly manage. And the others are like, yeah, oh, this is terrible. But if they if they're nominated for this award and they've been making videos and music this whole time, I still understand the sudden need for a record company. One thing I find strange is that Harvey Gabor seems fiscally conservative. So, I, okay, he's got a lot of extra money in the bank. So I'll I'll give him that, that he, you know, the first time, maybe he, maybe he spends a lot of money on his daughter to make her happy. But twice after an, a failed attempt already, you know, the first time was with the, the movie production, right? So he lost who knows how many tens of millions of dollars on that production. This is, you know, I'm going to say millions because this is, you know, 80s money, you know, 30 years ago. But it seems a little peculiar that he would just kind of throw millions of dollars away again, knowing the risks involved. And knowing that she still works directly with Eric Raymond, who has not been proven to be a successful manager. I mean, he's the complete opposite of that. He's, he's a complete failure. Right. And he's also like some dude who's been spending his time on silver mining schemes instead of, I don't know finding a new job. Well, let's move on to the next scene uh, because Jerrica decides to take the Starlight girls shopping for their back-to-school clothes. And just as they arrive at the store, we get a music video. Once again, actually, with the quick introduction to music videos. Uh, and the song we actually get is She Makes an Impression. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? It's an okay song. I mean, the premise of the video, I guess, is okay. It's very materialistic. Like, she's got to look good to make an impression. I'm like... Not the yeah. greatest thing to teach kids. Well, yeah. you know, they're empowering girls the only way they know how, through fashion and beauty. <laughs> um, I like this song. I don't like this video of the song. When yeah. they bring this song back in a different episode, I like it a lot better. Okay, I will give it... I, I mean, yeah, I like this song. It just seemed like a weird message. This next scene's a little troubling, and this is kind of a, a theme running through this episode, but uh, Deidre tries to show Jerrica a costume that looks just like Jem's, but she's quickly dismissed because Jerrica's too preoccupied with other things. Now, we've talked about this before. This has happened before, with Jerrica and the Starlight Girls, it's a little disappointing to see Jerrica do this yet again. You you would think that she would have learned her lesson by now. No, that's, that's not what she does. <laughs> no, she is the worst. She is the worst foster mother <laughs> of all time. <laughs> she just, I mean, no, I won't say of all time because obviously it could be worse as is pointed out later. But yeah, she like totally is like, I'm busy with these dollar bills, Deidre. I can't possibly take two seconds to look at your fancy dress, which is which is a very interesting parallel to what just happened with Pizzazz and her father. Because, like, did did that report oh. really require you to, like, give it all of your attention, Daddy Gabor? I don't think so. Um, did those dollar bills really require you to give them all of your attention, Jerrica, that you couldn't spare, like, two seconds to be like, oh, yeah, that dress is just like Jeb's. It's very cute. Go on. To be fair, I, I don't think Jerrica is the worst. I mean, I think she's far from the worst because clearly the the orphan girls have a home, right? They have, they're have they cared for. They have clothing. They have food. Um, but obviously, um, you know, she's somewhat neglectful. You know, I just think in this episode anyways, um, we'll, we'll see this in a few minutes, but uh, over the course of this episode, um, Jerrica doesn't exactly have a great time, so she kind of gets what's coming to her. Cut to the next scene. Uh, later at Starlight Music, Jerrica's worst nightmare is realized when across the street, a sign goes up reading, Misfits Music. I kind of feel like she's getting her just desserts at this point. She is. She is really getting her just desserts. Although, uh, once again, like, how did business work in the 80s? Like, Pizzazz literally put that together she bought a record company a building and a billboard in 36 hours well i mean we don't really know in terms of the passing of time right no we it's do not. because well, this, yeah. this music award thingy is like happening like sometime in the next, next week. two weeks yeah, yeah a, a oh, week it's like a right. week or okay. some crap like that doesn't make any sense and so yeah like pizzazz literally like the next day had that billboard going up and also i just want to say what are the chances that she's able to purchase the building that's directly across from starlight music right it's just like like all these buildings in this fake just like LA, perfect, just like an abandoned building waiting for them in the exact spot. Uh, this fake LA that. is amazing. Maybe they bulldozed the previous building, built a new one, <laughs> right? In, 30, in a day, yeah, right. 
I do love the the accented bun-headed lady who works for Starlight Music, who's the only other employee there. Always hilarious. Yeah, what is her name? Because I think it's been mentioned in one episode, and unfortunately, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I was trying to figure that out. I think Jeannie or something like that. I, I don't know. But what I love about her is when... Eric, ah, she's disposable, doesn't matter. Right. But she, but Jerrica's like, oh no, the misfits. It's my worst nightmare. She's like, well, maybe it's some other misfits. And at first I was like, lady, shut up. And then I was like, well, that could be Glenn that just shows you how self-absorbed Jerrica is because her worst nightmare is the misfits buying a competing record company. I would think that if... You, if you were in her position, wouldn't your worst nightmare be, I don't know, your your uh, your orphanage being taken away from you? Not, you know, running out of money and not being able to feed and clothe your, your kids? But she barely have these concerns. Right. She barely feeds and clothes them as it is, if we're to believe every episode previous to this. Indeed. Well, Jerrica decides to find out what's going on. So she heads over across the street, but she's suddenly confronted by Eric Raymond's old secretary. And Pizzazz, I quote, says, when we run you out of business, and then Roxy says, you can come work for us. And Stormer says, yeah, cleaning windows. How is one record company going to run another record company out of business? Explain that to me, Alex. Uh, I cannot formulate a proper explanation for that. Oh, I totally know. Because Gem and the Holograms are the only thing... That Starlight Records has going for it. So if they three employees, right? if they suddenly fall out of favor, you know, which that's what the misfits are trying to do, then, you know, what happens to Starlight? You know, are they going to become like an orphanage management company? Like, yes, <laughs> let's just touch on the whole, you know, I, I know we've kind of had a, a running joke about, you know, this giant building with like three employees, but I have to believe that at some point there were massive layoffs at Starlight Music, probably because Jerrica wasn't running things properly, or maybe partly because of Eric Raymond. So, so they, so they had to write. You know, she had to. Jerrica had to write one of those letters uh, to their staff, where it usually starts off with, you know, we have to run lean. Uh, you know, translation: <laughs> we're we're firing you all. Well, that no, because they all left, remember? They all just up and left because nobody was paying the bills or nobody was running payroll. And so people just were like, well, I guess this company's gone out of business. I guess I'll go get a job down the street at that other music company. I guess. That's why I started music as a ghost town because, like, literally everybody was just like, I didn't get paid last week. I guess I'll go. When Jerrica exits the building... Eric gives the go-ahead to TechRat, who, by the way, is a brand new character Yay! who runs no! a computer program that starts up a video sequence on the massive video screen above Misfits' music. As Jerrica storms off, fuming, the Misfits laugh at Jerrica's expense. TechRat! Yay! Tech Seriously? Really? Yay! Oh. Look, sounds like Aline does not like TechRat. TechRat is dislikable. Educate me. I mean, it's not that he's likable. It's just that I love Tech Rat because... He sounds nasally. Like, he has, he like, does. an adenoid issue. No, like, he sounds he's... like a character on the Addams Family. Right. But he's, like, he is so geeky and nerdy. And also, a thing that I was realizing as watching this episode is that he is a super uh, social phobic person who doesn't like he's to go- be touched. Agoraphobic. Right. Who doesn't like to be touched, but is very intelligent and good with technology. And I was like, I think... Maybe Tech Rat might be on the uh, like on the autism spectrum, which I don't know if that was the intent. But then it's just like this because because here's the other thing is that even though the misfits are all like, "Uh, where'd you find this guy? He's so weird." Blah blah blah. Um, Eric defends him and he says, uh, "He says Tech Rat is not a weirdo. He is a genius." I did. And like I'm that. like. Yes. Hold that thought because there's. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Tech Rat a little bit later when he actually makes uh, a, a, an appearance a little bit later on. But um, can, at, can, we, uh, can we just talk about how the command to to get that fancy billboard going was run Misfits program? It's a billboard. I don't understand. It's not complicated. Well, in the early '80s. But it's just. A, I mean, yeah, okay, it's a program, but it's just a video. You just press play. I mean, it's on loop. 
run Misfits program. And, then, and it was like, it took up the whole screen just to take that in. I know, right? It was hilarious. At Starlight House, Jerrica collects her band members to discuss Misfits problems. Suddenly, Jerrica stopped by Deidre, who wants to show her a song she's been working on. Unfortunately for Deidre, she's rebuffed once again because Jerrica is too busy with other matters. By the way, did either of you notice that Deidre sounds a lot like Pizzazz? Yeah, because she is voiced by that same lady, I believe. Yeah. Yes, she is. They did a lot of uh, recycling of voices. Chrissy is also a recycled voice. But yeah, I... (sighs) So this whole thing where where Jerrica's like, oh my god, this is such an important thing, and I have to, we have to talk, blah, 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 blah. like Jerrica, shut up. It's not even that important. Like, I, I don't understand this whole thing about this music award where they're like, oh my god, like we have to do certain things in our concert in order to like win that music award. But it's like but concerts, what? Like it's a music award. Like how are you? They're gonna give it to you. Or they're not gonna give it to you. It's I don't understand why it depends on them. Like doing all this stuff that they have to do or they think they have to do. It's the Grammys. God, get over it. Well, like uh, using your own words, uh, Tempest in, in past, uh, in past episodes is because, because plot. <laughs> because right? reasons. Yeah. Reasons. Well, and I've got to think, you know, Jerrica's stress levels have to be always like astronomically high. Like everything just sends her kind of over the edge into panic. You know, it's yeah, pretty much. She has no sense of scale. No, no, she really doesn't, and she doesn't handle it all that well either. No, which no. is why I'm like, this might be why her father left half of Starlight Music to Eric Raymond because Eric Raymond doesn't run around like his head is on fire every time something like sort of not okay happens. Oh gosh, there's one positive thing about Eric Raymond. I've been waiting. I, I thought his his most redeeming characteristic were his eyebrows. <laughs> he does have great eyebrows. <laughs> it looks like he, he plucks those things and brushes them every morning. Some people do. We'll cut to Eric Raymond, who meets uh, Tech Route in the underground parking lot to discuss a new electronic jamming device. And we all know any kind of discussion that involves an underground parking lot is never good. It's always nefarious. Pretty much. Uh, They decide to drive somewhere and test it, and the misfits decide to come along for the ride. But when Pizzazz and Stormer sit in the back seat next to Tech Rat, he is visibly unnerved by their closeness. And it turns out that he's agoraphobic. Now, agoraphobia is not just anxiety from being physically touched by somebody. It's it's just the the close... It's also the, the actual proximity of being too close to somebody, like in close spaces, right? Like it can happen in in small spaces or even, like I was just reading Wikipedia, but there are people that get that kind of anxiety even in public situations surrounded by a lot of people if they're like at a shopping mall, for example. That's why I think agoraphobia is uh, pretty synonymous in most people's minds with, you know, hoarding and never leaving the house. Inaccurate, but that's the portrayal. At Starlight Mansion, the holograms meet in Synergy's secret room to discuss what they're going to do for the music awards. Jerrica asks Synergy to cook up something extra special. And so Synergy projects new outfits for the band and a laser show. What? See, this, that was my thing. I was like, really? This is what, oh, ooh, it's some lights and some bubbles. That's going to win us an award somehow. Yeah, we'll come back to that because there's, there's something wonky that goes on with, with those laser projections later on. Trouble lurks just outside Starlight Mansion when Tech Rat tests his electronic jamming device. After pointing it at the mansion, the front gate opens by itself. On the inside, havoc is wreaked when the lights start flickering and other electronic devices start to malfunction, including Synergy. Gem and the holograms dive for cover when Synergy's holographic projections and lasers start shooting in every direction. Now, as an aside, to me, this doesn't make any sense. How are Synergy's projections (laughs) turned into matter? I mean, they're lasers. They're ducking like their life is in danger this right? doesn't make any sense so their life is in danger because we see the lasers burn the carpet they're holographic no or no are they real lasers no she also has lasers like she has holographic generators and she has them. lasers but there's such thing as a, you can have a laser light show without like industrial lasers that are strong enough to actually burn it doesn't make any why would you have that i don't know but emmett bennett <laughs> is a jerk 
It doesn't make even any putting sense. that on there. Children are going to die because Synergy has lasers. <laughs> well, and why didn't Synergy use them, you know, in the early episodes when 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 it was in the um, drive-in movie theater? Right. The intruder. Like, exactly. it was just like, oh, I'm going to trick him. And it was like, OK, but but why wouldn't you like use the lace? I don't understand. Maybe because she it, is it's just running. an inconsistency in the writing. No, no, no. She's running off of Asimov's rules for robots. Even though she's not a robot, she is an AI. She probably can't kill humans. I guess. I'll, I'll accept it. It's better than what I've got. Also, Synergy has an on-off switch, just like on the front of her. Just glad to mention <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. Like, I need to press this button that's in the middle of all the other buttons that could never accidentally be pressed because, you know, mistakes happen. No, we're just right. going to put it like right, right in the middle of all of it. In a, oh, yeah. Just call it on-off. We're not even going to make it red or anything. <sighs> Why do I even watch the show? <laughs> because it's amazing and you know it. I just watch it for pizzazz. We wouldn't be having this wonderful conversation if you weren't watching it. That's very true. See? That's very true. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it really is a highlight of my week. So well, let's move on. Pizzazz decides to grab Techrat's electronic jammer, but he manages to wrestle it back from her. Pizzazz says, Eric, where do you find this weirdo? And Eric says, Techrat's not a weirdo. He's a genius. I do like that line. I yeah, really, really genuinely like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he was genuinely trying to defend Tech Rat. Right. Because Tech Rat is a genius. He's not a weirdo. And like, I once again, I return to my thought that Tech Rat, you know, I don't know if Tech Rat was meant to represent someone on the autism spectrum, but I think that that is a way that he can be read. And so that is why I really love that Eric totally defends him by saying that he's a genius. Because he is. He's totally a genius. And he might be, you know, he might have some problems dealing with people and he doesn't want to be touched by pizzazz and really who does except for Alex. <laughs> so I get it. I totally get it. And, and he's like, he, even though he's a bad guy, there are some amazing things about him that I appreciate. Yeah. I just, I think for me, what bothered me is because going back to, okay, this is, you know, early mid eighties and it's just it's just another portrayal of people who are interested in technology are weird. And um, I, I totally appreciate your point, Tempest, but it's it, it's just kind of like it kind of feeds into that trope without, you know, I don't know. No, right. I, I mean, I it's much you. it's much more accepted today um, than it was 30 years ago, too. Right. Because, I mean, when I grew up, too, I, I certainly had my fair share of, of people that, you know, made fun of me for being a nerd and, and being a nerd back then, as it was defined, was way less acceptable than it is clearly today um so i think that's just like a, a product of it. it's of its time right? it's how normal people quote unquote <laughs> saw people that that were perhaps a little unconventional uh, you know didn't quite fit into uh, their idea of what you know a normal person in society would would be like yeah and i can see that i can see how that like it does feed into that trope of like technical people are weirdos which yeah. is not Okay. Right. But I mean, at least they did, like, like you said, I mean, the fact that Eric defended him, I think also sends a good message too that like you shouldn't just judge people like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they make a point of going back to the, you know, agoraphobia. They make a point of like, he doesn't want to be touched, but I don't really get the sense that it's a big deal. It's just like establishing a piece of, of who he is. But nobody, like, freaks out because of it. You know what I mean? Stormer and Roxy were the ones that got in the backseat, right? Because at first at first they seemed kind of... They, they seemed to... I don't know. They weren't entirely turned off by him being in the car. They seemed, like, at first pretty happy to see him, even though they didn't know who he was. But it just seems like Pizzazz, I guess. She's the one that made the comment, right, about him being a weirdo. Yes. Didn't she? Yeah. There was Pizzazz. <laughs> You know, Pizzazz never misses an opportunity for a man to rebuff her. <laughs> and, and she also takes every opportunity to put people down. Like, like with Pizzazz, you don't take anything, you know, that's just who she is. She's negative and mean and 
walks all over people to make herself feel better. Well, back inside, we got to figure out what had just happened here. So when confronting Synergy about what had uh, happened, Synergy says that there was interference from an outside source. I'm so tired of interference. I'm just so tired right? of it. Like the what? satellite. Synergy, get it together. Get it together with your interference. Well, this is more believable. An electronic jamming device is definitely more believable than the satellite interference stuff, which is just silly. But Jerica admits that uh, there's not that much the band can do other than hope that it doesn't happen again. Way to be proactive, Jerica. Kimber warns the group that they need to leave to meet up with video. As the holograms take off, some of the Starlight girls try to voice their concerns about what had transpired with respect to all the electronics going haywire. But Jerica, once again, just says she can't stop now. Deidre actually says, uh, what did I tell you? She could care less about us. And Ashley says, Jerica works all of the time to support us. And Deidre says, yeah, well, I bet Jem wouldn't ignore us. Hmm. We'll see about she that. She's gonna Deidre. get her little heart broken, but it is kind of a mess where they're like the girls are like shit just went down here, like the the toaster, the blender, like that was really scary, and they're like, oh, but we gotta go, bye. Right? Does anyone? Is there any adult supervision when they leave? I'd like to know. Yeah, there's that lady. There's, yeah, haired lady. Oh right, okay, right. Yeah, that one. One person out of like how many children? I mean, the, how do you even manage that? Like, there's, like, 22 Starlight Girls or whatever, and she's like, well, the, the other lady, Mrs. What's-Her-Face, she takes care of them when Jericho's like, oh, we gotta go, bye! Even though everything in the house just went haywire and it was amazing, ah! Yeah, the lasers tried to kill us, but we're gonna leave you with it. Okay. Uh, but it's in a secret room, though. <laughs> lasers! quote-unquote. Lasers room. can penetrate walls. And right. also, one of those walls is false. Exactly. The laser could just go through that wall. Like, an unsuspecting child is doing her chores and putting laundry away, and suddenly she is dead because a laser just hit her in the head. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, considering how neglectful Jerrica is in this episode, I would not be surprised if... At Right after that thing happened where Synergy had, like, her lasers were going all over the place. I would not be surprised if there's a dead child in the living room on the couch Aww. and nobody even noticed. Right. Jim and the, this, this is like one of those CD TV documentaries where they're like, Jim and the Holograms, the untold story. And it's the, the poor children who are like... You'll see it on one of those MTV uh, pop-up videos or whatever. Because do we know how many... Girls even in this house, do the holograms know how many well, girls child are in this house? Well, services certainly doesn't, so... After arriving at Haven House, Video discusses with Jem that she found the perfect addition to the group to spice up their performance at the Music Awards. This is the first time where we're introduced to future Jem and the Holograms band member, Dance. No, wait, she's not a band member. Well, she does become a band member. Uh-uh, she just dances. I always thought she was part of the group. Nope, she's just a special guest. Uh, okay, my memory is completely wrong then. Because I thought, doesn't Sheena, doesn't she uh, become the drummer? No, that's Rhea. Oh, Rhea, right. Okay, wow, my memory's terrible. <laughs> my that's memory why is... you have us. <laughs> that's why you have Tempest. I'm surprised because I've I've seen uh, I mean I watched all three seasons and I can't even remember that. She's a memorable character apparently. And the holograms enter a room as Dance is practicing her routine and as that happens we get a, a lovely music video called When It's Only Me and the Music. Now I don't know if the animation was rotoscoped here. Usually it's pretty obvious but the animation of her dancing seemed very fluid in comparison to it's the rest of the animation in this episode. It a little jarring if you really compare the two. Mm -hmm. It's really it's like awesome. they spent. It's like they had all of the budget. Like, okay, we're going to spend all the time on this dance sequence. Right. It's and it's really amazing. Like, it's such a good dance sequence, and and it's like it captures like everything that's cool about dance like, all at once because like she has like the multicolored like giant hair, and you know she's like twirling around and dancing on the sea and whatnot, and it's all just like, it's a really good sequence. And also, I love this song. Mm -hmm. This song is such a good song. Yeah, I really like the song. It's a really, it's a really pretty song, especially the end, and I think even the, it goes well with the music video. I mean, it, st it starts off, you know, like most of their music videos, it's fairly fantastical. I mean, dance is like skipping between planets in the solar system, but um, I thought the way it ends with with her kind of just like gracefully like spinning like a like a ballerina. It was just like so elegant and in combination with the song. 
But yeah, like, so this is, this is like 100% of why I love dance and I love when dance shows up because they usually give her like something really pretty to do with the dancing. Usually the songs that she's involved in are like really good songs. And plus dance is just really pretty and she's a sweetheart and she's just, I love her hair. good. Yeah. She's the best hair. Yeah. I really like the song. I really like the video. Um, and, and dance's real name is, uh, Giselle Dvorak. Dance is just her, uh, her stage name, obviously. Now, is she of German descent or is that Rhea? Oh, it, no, Rhea, <laughs> Rhea is, Rhea is Mexican. Oh okay. <laughs> I am just completely wrong. So, today. so dance, I think. Doesn't she have an accent? She, Rhea does have an accent. She's from Romania. No, oh, no, you talking about dance? Um, no, she doesn't have an accent, but I do believe that, yes, she's from Romania, or maybe it's like a Romania analog, because later on in the series, we actually go with dance to, like, where her mother came from. Um, and I can't remember if it's, like, strictly supposed to, like, like we're going to Romania, or we're just going, like, somewhere that's kind of Romania-like. I was just thinking that, like, the the names are not... Like, it pulls from a lot of different places, you know? Like, they're not just American-sounding names and just American people. Yeah. It's from multi, multicultural, no, it's multi-ethnic. Nice. Yeah, especially yeah, for... Yeah, they made the effort. Yeah. As Dance completes her routine, she seems a bit startled at the end uh, that uh, it's like she, she was just so lost in the routine. She had no idea that anybody was watching. And the holograms seem very impressed with her work, and they invite her to work with them. Dance uh, gives the holograms a tour of Haven House, which is a place for teenage runaways to get off the streets. Sound familiar? Dance requests that the holograms play for the benefit of Haven House, which will help raise the funds required to keep it going. Jerica needs her own funds, damn it. Right? Seriously. Well, see, the only reason Haven House is running out of money and they don't have enough beds and whatever is because they don't have some terrible music company footing their bills. And I think that that, <laughs> like, instead of trying to raise money, they should just be like, why don't you get a, why don't we start a music company for you that only has one <laughs> band? And then all the proceeds will go to that. But I, I really love, like, Chrissy Marks, like, very clearly was all about talking about the plight of kids like marginalized kids, you know, kids. And this who, was one of her episodes that she wrote. I yes, believe. yes. Chrissy Marks finally back in the seat. Like, I, oh, thank goodness. Um, her episodes are always better too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you know, the whole thing with Starlight House, like she invented that. You know, when Hasbro came to her and was like, "We're gonna make a show about some dolls," and this girl, she changes her hair color. And she's like, whatever. But she invented the whole concept of like Starlight House and like talking about orphans and stuff. And then this whole episode um, is about like places for runaways to go. And I believe. I remember when I was watching this as a kid, there were like several PSAs that happened that were like, if you, you know, are scared and you want to run away from your house, please, please like call these people. Like there was some real organization that you were supposed to call to find a place to go if you were like thinking about running away from home. It's, it's like, it's very clear that Chrissy Marks is very passionate about this. And I think that's actually really cool. Couldn't agree more. And uh, Tempest, your uh, your favorite uh, character is coming up next oh! because in this scene, in this scene, we've Jem gone Rio, so long without him. In this scene, Jem and Rio go over the special effects for the stage show. Jerica unloads on Rio that she has some secret effects, but when Rio grills her on why she can't say, Jem is unable to form a reason why, like usual. In fact, the exchange between the two of them goes like this. Rio says, great, what are you using? Jem says, well, they're kind of secret. Secret? Why can't you tell me? I'm supposed to be your stage manager. And she goes, but it's just a few effects. You never trust me, you and your secrets. Do it all yourself then. And then he throws everything away. I kind of understand. Look, from his perspective, like this... How many times has she pulled this kind of crap on him? That's got to be frustrating. You no, know, it's and it's very true. Like for once, Rio has a point. Like he doesn't need to stomp around and, like be a jerk. But like <laughs> right. Rio has a point because he's the friggin' like guy who's designed the lights. And you're like, oh, there's just gonna be like some random lights that happen that you don't need to know or care about. No, 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 no. He needs to know and care about he these things. He is completely in the right here, in yes. my opinion, because he, he is, is the stage manager. And what she's doing right here is a perfect example of micromanagement. What she should have done 
is well first of all i mean hey there's I this hologram it's called i can't synergy. i understand i understand why she can't tell him because it's a secret and whatnot but i mean what she really what she really should have done i mean to avoid this she should have really told him i mean from the get-go obviously because she should have just included him and said look these are my ideas this is what i want to do let's plan it together so he so he can figure out how the whole thing's going to work. That or does not involve synergy because what was synergy? We've we've gone over this. What is synergy actually bringing? Just oh, well, she can create little colored circles that fly at you, which is something that no one else can do and is special and will certainly win us an award. Like no, that synergy wasn't necessary. This is just another reason to have Jem and Rio have a stupid fight. Can I just say I, again? This is going back to something that's technologically speaking, what really bugs me is that it would seem more realistic, more plausible to me if all of the band members in Gem and the Holograms had the Gemstar earrings, because I cannot buy that those tiny little earrings are able to project holograms on multiple, that many people in the usual proximity that they are. Like it would be more realistic if they all individually had their own holographic projectors, would it not? But then Jim wouldn't be special. Yeah. Going back to Rio, I mean, would you really, if you were, if you were Jim slash Jerrica, would you want to sit down with him and be like, okay, well, let's have a reasonable discussion now. You have persuaded me. I mean, I know, I know, I know that's not how all people are. I know that he's like a guy in his early 20s and he's very confused and conflicted or something. And I just, I, I don't know. R Rio's ridiculous. I mean, naturally, he, he's frustrated at this moment and he ends up storming off in a huff while Deidre walks in and tries to get Jem's attention. Before she can finish her sentence, even... Jem ends the conversation, says, Deidre, I'm sorry, this is private. I can't talk to you now. And then she slams the door on her. Jem is that's the what she worst. Does. She's the worst. That's why I saw that and I was like, I would run away. And it was established, like, at the very beginning of the episode that that this girl really idolizes Jem. Like, she's learning the guitar so that she can, like, be one of the holograms someday. And, you know, like, this is a really, really big deal for her. And then you've got, you know, Jerrica just constantly dismissing her. Constantly. And now Jem has slammed the door in her Yeah. Face. It is. And at this point, Deidre has had it with both Jem and Jerrica ignoring her. And she decides to run away and go see the misfits. Bonnie and Chrissy decide to join her and they leave a note for Jerrica. By the way, there's a brief scene here where we see a boy violently kicked out of his home by his father who says he never wants to see his face again. Who is this person? It's not explained until well, later on in the episode. But he probably started off that fight by going, but dad, I want to be part of the plot. You won't be I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> you can't I learned it from watching my you. house. You know, so that's that's what it was. He was like, but what the plot? No, no plots for you. Go clean the basement. Eh. <laughs> oh my god. I might be a little bit invested in random Jay White Boy already. <laughs> you are. It's amazing. At Starlight Music, Jerrica meets Dance for the first time, and they go over the new handbill for the Haven House benefit concert. Lindsay is asked to make introductions as video enters, but Jerrica leaves to switch back to Jim. Generating a hologram of Jerrica so that the suspicion isn't aroused, Jim makes her way back to her office. Video is handed the flyers, but she informs Jem that the Haven House benefit is the same night as the Music Awards. How could Jem have double booked on such an important event? Because nobody has a personal assistant. Does she not or have a calendar? calendar? Right. Or a calendar. They don't have personal assistants. They don't have calendars. But how slipshod is this freaking Haven event? Because like we already established like that the Music Awards were like a week away or something like that. And that was days ago. That was at least two days ago. So Haven House is having a benefit at the end of the week and they do not have any kind of music music lined up at all. Jerrica needs to get her shit together. Yeah, well, Everybody and how, needs to get their shit together. How invested are they in this music awards thing when when they don't even realize that the dates conflict, you know? Like Right. 
But but again, it shouldn't actually even matter because you don't need to be at an award ceremony to get the award. Like they don't decide that right. night. Like the judges are in the back going, well, who showed up? Oh my God, right. the misfits are here. But Gem and the Hoggers is in here. We were going to give this award to Gem, but let's re-etch it to say the misfits because yeah. Gem isn't here. Well, Deidre, Chrissy, and Bonnie decide to wait in the underground parking lot at Misfits Music, hoping that Pizzazz, Roxy, and Stormer would show up at some point. Eventually, the band does, and Pizzazz says they're not giving out autographs. But when they realize who they are, Pizzazz asks the Starlight Girls if anyone knows where they are. Deidre and Chrissy and Bonnie tell them that nobody would care anyway. That's, well, partly true. Pizzazz promises to help them out and decides to call Child protection services and claims that Jerrica Benton is mistreating her starlight girls. In fact, she goes as far to say that the three girls have run away and Jack Sobieski decides to investigate further. Thank God somebody finally called CPS. It's about time. This seems like the the most realistic thing in this episode. The fact that that child protection services is getting involved now. And then, but I love how he's like, hmm, I'm going to have to check out this uh, Jerrica Benton person. In three Right. But also, like, I know that there's a lot of people in the foster system, but Jerrica Benton owns a mansion where she keeps her foster girls. And I, everybody knows that she's in, she's involved with the band Gem and the Holograms, who's massively famous. Like, has CPS not been checking up on these people at all? I feel like the people at CPS should know at least who Jerrica is. It's like, oh, you mean that lady with the music company with all the children in the mansion? Okay, because, like, she's not just some random foster mother. Like, there's 22 girls in that house. Maybe Jack Sobieski is a new employee and has just moved to that city, and he doesn't really know anyone. He seems like a, a hardened, weathered CPS man. I guess, in a way. He transferred from the mean streets of uh, well, Las San Vegas. Diego. San Diego. He sounds like a very, like he has a very commanding sort of news radio type type voice. I'm not going to do it. I was just thinking earlier that it's a shame there aren't any quote unquote exotic accents on this episode. At Starlight Mansion, Jerrica finally tries to make time to listen to Deidre's song. But when she opens the door to her room... She finds Deidre missing and all of her gem posters torn to shreds. Ashley comes running in with a note that she found, which was addressed directly to Jerrica. <sighs> little too late, Jerrica. Little too late. It is too late. That is a mess. Also, how have they gone this far without realizing that Chrissy and Bonnie are also gone? Because Bonnie is so annoying. Like, you know that everybody knows where Bonnie is in the house. At all times. They're like, oh, I gotta read something. Bonnie is downstairs. I know, I'll hide in the attic. Because if Bonnie finds me, then she's just gonna talk about how she misses her father and she wants to find him. So I just feel like I call shenanigans on nobody knowing that they were gone up until Jerrica was like, I want to hear your song now, Chrissy. At the Misfits Mansion, we see Deidre, Chrissy, and Bonnie doing chores in the kitchen, much to their chagrin. Pizzazz tells them to keep up the good work and that they might, might be able to come to their concert the following day. She's so sweet. Says, I know, she's so nice, generous person. She says, we just need to keep them out of sight for a few days and Jerrica will be in big trouble. Indeed she will. Uh, the holograms decide to look everywhere they can for the missing girls and even drop by the local police station to file a missing persons report. It's about time. Right, like they finally go to the popo. But did you notice what happened? Is a policeman was just like, he just shook his head and he's like, I can't help you ladies. And they're like, okay, bye. Right. So maybe she didn't file a, a missing persons report. Well, no, she she did something. She told this police officer that three girls under the age of 13 were missing. And he was just like, well, I haven't seen them. Well, <laughs> he's like, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll keep I'll keep my uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled now. And I'll scram while I finish this jelly donut. Right. Like, what the heck was that? And I said, I know I know this is before Amber Alerts. But when you hear the words, three girls under the age of 13 have gone missing on the mean streets of fake L.A., I kind of feel like the police would be all, we're going to have to do something about that because it's endangered children. Ah. But yeah, and I also wondered why Jerrica didn't call CPS and say, hey, because, you know, they have caseworkers. Each child has a caseworker and say, hi, so-and-so's caseworker. So-and-so ran away. 
what do I do? Like, you know, that's, that's, that's step one. Step zero is you go to the police. Step one is you call the caseworker. And I don't society has failed the Starlight Girls in so many ways. Well, Aja tries to uh, console Jerrica that uh, Chrissy is a sensible girl and that she'll come back. But it's no good. Jerrica blames herself for not paying enough attention, which is, yeah, that's rightfully so. The rest of the holograms uh, support Jerrica by admitting that they're all to blame for ignoring the girls when they needed them most. The holograms try to set things right by telling Dance that they'll perform at the Haven House Benefit instead of the Music Awards. It seems they've learned a valuable lesson, according to Jerrica. The band's hope is that Deidre, Chrissy, and Bonnie will hear about the Benefit concert and realize how much they do care about them. And Jerrica says, some things are more important than awards. Took you the entire episode to figure that out? Nice one, Jerrica. All right, but let's, can we just talk about this plan that they have? We're going to play a concert, and then they're going to hear about the concert somehow. <laughs> that's less than a week away with no promotion. And they're on the mean streets of fake L.A., so somehow, like, they're not watching Lindsay. So, so how are they going to know what's going on? I know, there are no cell phones here. There's no social media. They, I mean, and then they're not dropping somehow, flyers. Right, and they're somehow supposed to intuit that because they're doing a benefit concert, for a place called Haven House, that it means that they want them back. Yes. That's totally logical. Just total. total also, logic. dance. When they say to dance, three of our Starlight Girls ran away. Why wasn't Dance's first thing out of her mouth? Wait a minute, what did you do to make them run away? Or even, what are you doing to find them? Or how can I help find them? Or right. like anything. She's just like, oh, that's great. They ran away and now you're doing my concert. Yay. Like, yeah, for well. runaways. Wait. <laughs> right? Well, let's move on. So now we get the Misfits concert and we see a scalper who is selling Misfits tickets at a discount of $50. I'm not sure if that's, I'm going to take that as an insult. It's the Misfits. Come on. They're the second most popular band. It depends right. upon where the seats are, though. That's true. Maybe they're I mean, crappy tickets. Right. Like even, you know, like you know, be, several it, years it, it ago. It would have been funny if instead of this random g scalper, if it was like Zipper and like he's out of work <laughs> and the only way to make a living is by, by selling tickets. <laughs> Scalping tickets. That would be amazing. But, but like I went to a Mariah Carey concert, you know, when she was still super popular and I sat in the very, very top, but it was like 25 bucks a seat. So we get to see this scalper uh, selling tickets, and a man runs by and bumps into them, causing the tickets to fall to the ground. In the heat of the moment, the young redhead boy we saw earlier steals a ticket and heads directly into the concert. Why did he do that, by the way? Yeah, did I miss something? He really likes the misfits. I guess so, because like I thought he was going to scalp the ticket so that he could buy food. Right. Because like right before the ticket thing happened, he like wanted to buy a hot dog. He couldn't, and he was clearly hungry. And so I was like, oh, he's going to scalp that ticket and get some food. But yep. no, he just like runs into the Misfits concert. I really feel like this character was just shoehorned in just for the sole reason to have this cliffhanger ending like to to actually give a reason for the three starlight girls to do what they do at the end i'm not going to spoil it because we'll get to that in just a second i don't know if you if the two of you feel that way well no no he's there to teach us a very important lesson about runaways in new haven yeah deidre chrissy and bonnie arrive at the concert with the misfits chrissy and bonnie try to convince deidre that the misfits really don't care about them right after pizzazz tells them to stay out of their hair it seems that Deidre is starting to come to her senses about the situation they're in, but they all decide to see the concert anyway before heading home. The young redhead boy is spotted climbing the speaker tower, and the three starlight girls decide to follow him because you can see everything very clearly from the top. Now, at this moment, we... And they're not very smart. Like, let's just, yeah. Well, it's it's a perfect excuse for a music video from The Misfits called I Am A Giant. What did the two of you think of the song and video? I also like this one, except for the fact that Pizzazz is like, I'm gonna go pluck Rio from his apartment as a giant lady. And I'm like... King Kong style. Yeah, you just you just need to... You need to get over that. She does. She does. But I do love the beginning of this video because this is like we see the misfits in concert and they are in like full like heavy metal like hard rock form 
yeah. like the jumping around and the scream at the beginning and all that stuff. This way, it's one of my top eleven misfits. <laughs> I really, I, I remember the first time I so I've watched I watched it twice and. The first time I watched it, I was like, I think this is a concert I'd really like to go to. They have a lot of energy. It's, you know, they're, they're obviously having fun. Like, it's not, they're not phoning it in. They're, they're up there performing and it looks, it looks really cool. At the very least, they, they always give it their all, right? Rather, whether or not you like their tactics, tactics, uh, when they, when they perform, they give it their all. Yes, they do. And that's why they have so many fans. I mean, this is why they're up for this award. You know, because their lyrics are no nonsense, Lindsay said at the beginning, and no nonsense lyrics and high energy, and they jump around and they have pyrotechnics. I feel like this, the stupid thing is that the, it's very obvious that the Misfits are incredibly popular, and even if they are, you know, the number two band in terms of just the, the charts, if we're talking about just the ratings, that's not a good thing. Think about how rare that is to happen. Think about the thousands of mu- tens of thousands of musicians who will never see that kind of fame. They will never sell those kind of records. Like I just feel like if the Misfits just like took a moment to really look at their own levels of success, they'd realize that like just look in front of you. Like you've got thousands of fans who have showed up and they're all screaming and they all buy your records. What do you have to complain about? Yeah. Well, I, because I think it sort of illuminates I think the lesson here is that is that they don't see that. Like that's that's the point is that um even though they do have a lot of success and they are really amazing with their with their music and whatnot even if it's not to everybody's taste, but they have a lot of fans and and yet they're still not happy because all like they want to just like beat the people that they don't like. Like their priorities are all out of whack. And I guess that's really like the lesson of like why the misfits are the antagonists. Like, you know, we can you know, quibble all we like about whether they're trash as Jerrica has called them, I think twice now or whatever, but like the, the fatal flaw of pizzazz mostly, but all the misfits is that they are unable to appreciate what they have and what they have accomplished because that accomplishment does not come with beating somebody else into the ground. And I think if it weren't for pizzazz, that wouldn't necessarily be the case. That's pizzazz's like fatal flaw, I think, is her right, determination. Like, I don't know. It is a, it's a weird determination. I could I also is it narcissism? I don't think it's quite narcissism, but there's there's something that explains yeah. it. Like, there's some mindset that explains this. And you're right, like if this band was like Roxy and Stormer. They would probably just be like happy because they'd be like, whatever, we have all these fans. It really is pizzazz that drives that particular aspect. I don't know if there's a personality disorder for it, but I don't get the sense that there is. I just feel like I I think it's just she's like she is the way she is because of her upbringing, because of her circumstances. And she just comes across as the kind of person that, you know, I want it all or nothing at all, which obviously is not a great attitude to have. But that being said, she has been able to skyrocket the band's success. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, what her songwriting credits are, but I assume that she's writing a lot of the music. So, I mean, she does. Well, Stormer she, writes a lot. Of okay, it. so Stormer writes a lot, but still, I mean, she has talent, right? They all, all three members of the Misfits have talent. They've been able to get to where they are on their own. They may not be number one, but. Their their talent and, and their attitude has been able to at least get them to climb to the top. You know, obviously not necessarily through the best ways or the most the most honest ways, I guess. But uh, but they've done pretty good on their own. This episode is now coming to a conclusion. Well, not quite to a conclusion, but we end on a cliffhanger because this is part one. And so what happens is uh, the three Starlight girls end up climbing the tower. One of the girls uh, ends up slipping. I think it's Deidre that decides to climb. Is it Deidre or Chrissy? No, it's Chrissy. Okay, so she decides to climb back down, and uh, which is a very sensible uh, decision. And as she does that, she, uh, she ends up uh, just losing her footing, almost ends up uh, falling. Uh, to her death. Uh, but we don't really know what, what's going to happen until part two. Will Chrissy ruin the Misfits concert by being the first child to die at one? <laughs> the first of many. <laughs> yeah, all three of them actually end up falling to their death. The uh, tower ends up crushing them and killing a bunch of people at the concert. It's an entire bloody, gory mess. 
does the punk rock crowd descend upon them and drink their blood? This is a really dark episode. If, if you like, <laughs> first we oh, have, this episode's like, not dark. It's children. just us that's dark. <laughs> no, first we have like starlight orphans being like sliced through the head with lasers accidentally, and now <laughs> falling to their death and being. And the, their blood being lapped up by rabid punk rock misfits fans. Let me remind you that the pilot episode of the show opened with a funeral scene. Well, unless either of you have any closing comments for this episode, uh, why don't we move on to trivia? Are both of you ready for that? Sure. Yup. So when Pizzazz goes to talk to her father, his hair alternates from gray to brown. So just a little animation glitch there. I don't know if glitch is even the right word. I mean, that's just a glaring mistake, actually. <laughs> it's not like generous. glitch implies that something something happened that wasn't entirely anybody's fault. Some kind of technical problem, but somebody just painted the hair wrong. And uh, the other one is Dance, Danny, and Tech Rat are introduced in this episode, as well as the Misfits' new music company, Misfits Music. That's all I got for this one. Do either of you have any other things that you noticed? I'm still going to keep calling that kid Random J White Boy. I like he it. He doesn't have a name yet. Isn't he a redhead? He's not human. He's a redhead. He's a ginger. <laughs> I want to go off and join the plot. No one's joining the plot in my house. <laughs> he was added as an as a expendable character because he is a redhead. That's it. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> Kimber doesn't count because her hair's pink half the time. Well, that's all I have for this week. And Aline, are you a Cylon? Can't prove it one way or the other. Mm. So much consternation. I know. Well, can you be found online anywhere? Is there anything you'd like to plug? I'm on Twitter at Aline. It's A-L-E-E-N. I have a podcast called Less Than or Equal, um, where I talk to geeky people about their cool projects. That's at lessthanorequal.com. And uh, what do I also usually say? Oh, I also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Aline. And Tempest, are you a Cylon? Uh, no, I'm an extra in a Misfits video. I'm flying one of those biplanes. Oh, do they pay well? Uh, they do. They do. It was, it was scale. So it was nice. That was a good day. That was a good shooting day. Did, uh, did they let you drive a bulldozer? They did not. <laughs> because um, there had been, they took all the bulldozers out because of that whole incident with the Zaz and Roxy. Is Eric as difficult to work with in person as the rumors are flying around? They wouldn't let me talk to him. Oh, I was going to say, did you stare at his eyebrows? His mesmerizing his <laughs> eyebrows. His eyebrows are a character in and of itself. <laughs> I want to see Eric's eyebrows fan fiction. You guys. I keep calling out to the gem fandom. My fan fiction, where is it? I want a Misfits video where Eric's eyebrows leap off his forehead and dance. That would be amazing. <laughs> and the, the eyebrows like put on like a top hat and cane. And they're like, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Oh. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> oh, you'll never sleep again. Never. Indeed. And is there anything that uh, that you want to plug this week, Tempest? Well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have noticed that sometimes I do this thing called the Gem Rewatch. It's hashtag Gem Rewatch. I think we all noticed that. Well, I, not everybody knows. I don't know. But it takes place usually... On Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific, I'm going through the episodes as I watch them to prepare for this podcast. And so you'll get like a preview of all oh, my hilarity. Not quite all of it. I save some jokes for the podcast because gotta save, gotta hold some back. Um, so if you will join me on Twitter, uh, hashtag is Gem Rewatch. You can look at the old Gem Rewatches if you want. Uh, there's one up for this episode and the next one and the one previous. Do you hate watch the show? I don't hate watch it. I, I love watch it, but then I'm just like, what is happening, Jerrica? You just slammed the door in that girl's face. I can just oh I can just see you like every time Rio comes on screen, you're just grumbling. Just, oh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah. like, like literally, if you like look, if you scroll through the gem rewatch, like when Rio showed up in this episode, I was like, why is Rio here? He is not necessary. What is this? He just he you're not belong. welcome, Rio. Get out. <laughs> he is not welcome. So yeah, like no one wants Rio. So, yes, there's that. And then you can, well, my Twitter handle, if you want to find the Gem Rewatch, is at Tiny Tempest. Uh, you could also go to my website and blog, ktempestbradford.com, where you can see all the other cool stuff I do. Like, I have short stories that I write that get published. I do a web series called The Tempest Challenge. Um, I talk about um, 
political stuff, and I watch Jim. Great. You can follow the show if you're on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at Jim Podcast for show updates, and sometimes we post uh, things in the middle of the week. So definitely go follow that account. And I just wanted to say something for uh, for the first time because we've never mentioned this, but since we started the show, uh, we're entirely listener supported. We do not have sponsors in case you didn't already realize that. And we actually have a donation page. So if you want to support us, uh, that would be really awesome. You can go to gemcast.tv forward slash donate. There are a couple of uh, predefined donation options. You can give us a couple bucks or any amount you feel comfortable giving. We really would appreciate it. Uh, we are trying to upgrade some of our audio gear. I know Tempest needs a new microphone and we ideally would like to upgrade to Logic um, as well. So any money that you donate is going to go to really just improving the show and making it all around a better show to listen to. You can also rate us on iTunes. We really would appreciate that. You can give us either a star rating or leave a comment, either good or bad feedback. Uh, you can also leave us feedback directly by email by going to gemcast.tv forward slash contact. We'd love to hear from you. So join us next week. Uh, we're going to be back for the Music Awards Part 2 to find out if the uh, Starlight Girls ended up surviving that debacle or carted away by CPS. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next week. Bye for now.